Queer Alien Blast. Uh, we are starting a new format here because the show is finally back after 84 years. And uh, so we're starting a new format where we're going to do weekly format uh, recaps. And hopefully these will be shorter. We won't talk for three hours like we did last time. <laughs> um, so season two kicks off immediately after um, the end of season one. So we get a that really nice scene um, with um, Max and Liz where they're all happy and everything's fine. And then it immediately cuts to everything being not fine. And that was really, that that was rude. It was such a beautiful image though. I mean, just perfect mm-hmm. of them lying in bed and then her lying on, I mean, it's so heavy handed, but it, it was beautiful. I loved it. Well, we've, we've, we've said a million times that Roswell is anything but subtle. So, right. Uh, so the show picks up, at the crashdown, and Arturo is still pursuing citizenship uh, with Noah being dead. So I'm glad that they did not drop that storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that'll really. I hope it plays into the season. I hope that they don't just kind of have Arturo in the background just doing his thing and trying to figure this out on his own. Uh, but at the same time, they reveal that Liz is leaving again. Um, she's doing what she's doing doing what Liz does. Liz doing Liz stuff. And is leaving for Palo Alto. So, but I thought that was a really great scene at the crashdown with her and Arturo and then her and Arturo and Maria all together. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, you know, we've had hints of their friendship and how they grew up together and sort of probably how Maria knows Arturo. But it's nice to finally see that, um, which gives me gives me hope for the rest of the season and we'll see characters in inter- interact that haven't really interacted before or 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 been in been in different situations that was really nice really lovely yeah that hug was so good i loved it i know it was just it was perfect just so soft he's just such a good dad i mean there's just no good dads on television really um like consistently good supportive dads um and so i'm glad so far they've just shown him not not as a perfect there's no such thing but as close as you're going to get, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Crestown is no longer your concern. You are headed for much bigger things. You might be the only Mexican father on the planet who wants his daughter to leave home. I'm the only Mexican father on this planet whose daughter is genius extraordinaire Elizabeth Ordeco. Um, so then we moved on and we find ourselves at Noah's funeral and his wake. Oh my God. Just the <laughs> best scene. Isabel, dramatic Isabel. My notes just say dramatic Isabel is my everything. I mean, because that voice, she puts on a different voice when she's, uh, do when she's, you know, being super dramatic in the beginning. And it's so breathy and so ridiculous. I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised that my beloved Noah would be killed by something as rare as a strike of lightning. He was, after all, an extraordinary man. It was (laughs) the best in that outfit. I mean, everything about it was, I 
is so Isabel. You know, I almost felt like she was channeling, uh, that Lily was channeling her mom, Christine Baranski. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is Christine Baranski's daughter in this moment. Absolutely. It was great. And then, of course, it turns around and it's a heartbreaking thing because you realize that now she's talking about Max. And, you know, feeling what you feel about Max, Isabel, I mean, Isabel loves him. Yeah, that shift was just so good. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, her whole demeanor shifted. It was so beautiful to see. I think, you know, Lily was amazing in that scene. And also seeing Liz and Michael pick up on who she's actually talking about. Um, that was just so good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Michael. I'm sorry. That was about to say, really, let's talk about the actual star of the scene. I am so sorry, Isabel. But are you fucking kidding me? Guess they're late with Starbucks. <laughs> Not only coming in so late, clearly drunk, literally dirty. Like, what were you doing? You are covered in dirt, you fucking disaster, by bi- you know, bisexual. And then... I will never, until the day I die, get over him pushing the random people over to sit in a pew. Like, of all the things to do, you felt the need. I mean, it's Michael. He's going to do make the worst possible choices and be as dramatic as possible about it Yeah, in the moment. And that was prob- probably, to me, the most Garen thing that he did in that episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he just, he smells like, he smells like cheap perfume and whiskey and cigarettes and like, he's, it's probably disgusting and I feel really sorry for this rando people forced to sit next to him. Like, and speaking of how Michael smells, we actually did get a comment and let me, let me find it real quick on Twitter, um, from Murphy V that said, Michael Guerin smells like a river and Max Elvins smells like the rain. Yeah. <laughs> so do aliens just smell wet? They just I like that. Also, poor poor Michael Garen. <laughs> I mean Well, poor Michael Garen, he just needs to take a shower then. <laughs> maybe God. maybe it's time to shower. Um so after the funeral we get to um the wake at Isabel's house and then Liz and Isabel have their air quote fight. And Isabel again is just the worst actress. And Isabel does that voice. Yeah, that that she's an actress pretending to be a bad actress and that that breathy deep kind of voice thing that she does <laughs> is it's just hilarious and like her voice noticeably goes mm-hmm. down an yeah. octave and it's awesome i mean and neither of them are like even really trying because they're like even liz is looking around is like are you guys listening to this because this is happening <laughs> like we are doing this for you so listen to us I love that whole thing, and I hope they continue to be friends because that was that was such a good friend moment to me. Like, even if they're not really at that stage at this point, like there was just two friends, you know, playing a joke on everybody. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Michael and Maria at the funeral. Oof. Um, Cold blooded, Michael Garen. Jesus. You know, I I was thinking if he had come into the funeral and sat down next to Maria more so the fandom reaction. Um, I was just like, well, this is going to be a lot. Um, but he did exactly what narratively makes sense. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, is is pushing Maria away just like he does everyone else. So it makes sense. But man, that was painful. He's just 
in so much pain and he's just in so he's just I mean completely lost his mind and 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 I've said it a thousand times and I guess I'm just going to keep saying it he just had all of these tragic things happen and he's clearly not great at you know compartmentalizing or dealing with things um which obviously has to do with his background um but I kind of, it feels like people aren't really, they're seeing it, but they're not really recognizing it. Once again, it's no one being like, hey, Michael, you, you cool? You okay? <laughs> you going, th- going through something there, buddy? Yeah. All right, let's talk about Liz and Rosa at Max's house. Um, I have been so excited to see Liz and Rosa being sisters and this episode did not disappoint. Not at all. I mean, they just fell right back into it. Yeah. And I love that they made a comment about, which is my favorite part of this dynamic is now, you know, the older sister is now the younger sister. And they did sort of mm-hmm. talk about that because it, it's such a big shift when you're, you change where you are in the sibling hierarchy. And I loved it. I love just, they fell right back into teasing one another um, and just so comfortable with one another. The scene where uh, Rosa realized that Liz had her necklace on and she's just oh, like, God. is this my necklace? <laughs> Liz, I told you not to take my stuff anymore. Take it off. <laughs> you weren't exactly using it. Okay, well, how about this? Next time I die, bury me with all my stuff. The most such younger sister. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny that she was the older sister, but the most sisterly thing to say. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. Absolutely, my younger sister would have would have said that to me if she'd saw mm-hmm. me wearing any of her things. And the way those actresses play off of one another is perfectly, it's perfect. Yeah, and it's great. And I'm so glad that Rose is going to be a main character this season because I think Liz needs that connection. Yeah. To somebody, and I, I just they have great sisterly chemistry, and you buy them as sisters. Um, so that was nice and fun. But then Rosa's having nightmares about Noah which is, we can't ever have nice things. I'm, uh, this is going to sound weird. I'm so excited that Noah's actor is still around. (laughs) Like we still get to, I love him so much. Mm -hmm. He's such a good actor. And you know, what they did to his character is a real tragedy. Um, But I'm kind of excited that that means that he will still sort of be around the actor at least. um, Because he's just so fabulous. Mm -hmm. And he does play a good bad guy. Karin does villain really well. Um, and he's also gorgeous. So <laughs> yeah, it helps. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't hurt. Um, and I guess we'll talk more about Rosa's nightmares a little later on when we get to the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, so, but then Liz is. Oh, my favorite scene. <laughs> Sorry. Liz is, you know, protective sister. And so she sneaks Rosa to the hospital and we get Kyle finding out that Rosa's alive. Yes. This was such a beautiful moment, such a great little conversation. Um, and I, that line, she, Rosa said the line, the, the, my favorite thing about this season, about how Liz and Kyle now share a sibling. Yes. <laughs> finally acknowledged yes. how, how so very odd and soap opera-y that is. I mean, no one's doing anything wrong, obviously, if Liz and Kyle's history, but it's so hilarious. Um, yeah. And just how soft Kyle was with Rosa and, you know, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I loved Rosa's kind of teasing line about, you know, when he asked what her drug of choice was and, and she's like, why quarterback? You want to party? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, you know, he's just, he just rolls with it and, and recognizes that she has an opportunity here, you know, to really start over. Um, mm-hmm. and, 
I think he's so looking forward to having a relationship with her and seeing what they can, you know, what they can build from now. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I love that scene also because, well, it's the first time that we see them interacting as siblings. Well, interacting in general, because we didn't really see a lot of scenes of them together. Yeah. But um, it's also that Rosa is already, you know, thinking, what if I mess it up? Like, even if I'm healed, I'm not, you know, an addict anymore, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um and Kyle is kind of in this position of being a new brother, but also being like the mm-hmm. older brother in the situation of kind of calming her down and, you know, giving the safe space to kind of vent. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that Rosa's, I love that they're doing this with Rosa where she's healed because who wouldn't want an opportunity to kind of erase things that you regret that have harmed you? Like, I think that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. You've got to assume that she still kind of have has these urges and these, Self, self-destructive tendencies. Right. But physically, right. the choices that she's made, she she has a clean slate, but she still has these, right. these mental issues. What I don't want to happen is that we're going to act like drug addiction was just a physical thing. It's it's healed now. Everything that, you know, what she did to her body is, is healed. Drug addiction is a lot more than that. Um, and so I'm interested to see if she's going to be tempted, if she's going to what her coping mechanisms are going to be now that this is sort of a new start for her. Um, It's drug addiction is such an odd, uh, not odd, it's such a um, touchy subject. And, you know, you don't want it to be over sensationalized, but you want it to be treated with care Mm -hmm. um, because it is such an important topic. Um, And so I'm I'm excited to see if they show her sort of struggling with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think they will. Um, also, I love Kyle mentioning that he was a dick, a dick in high school. <laughs> that he's just so self-aware. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people that change a lot over time will sometimes want to bury that so that, you know, never talk about it. Like, um, But he's fully willing to own up to that he was really um, kind of a, a terrible young man. Um, but he's perfect now, so. Yeah. And also for, for, like, for Rosa, the whiplash that that was from remembering, like, the day before that he was a dick <laughs> and him being, like, this sweet, good doctor. That is weird, right? <laughs> um, and I want to take two minutes to say that um, Michael Trevino is, like, the hottest man in the world, and I don't understand. Mm-hmm. It's like he doesn't age, and he, when he does, it's like beautifully. So like, oh, those cheekbones. Drop all of your skincare routine, <laughs> Michael Trevino, because good God. <laughs> all right, are you ready to get into the Malix of it all? Yes, I've had some time to think about it. I have opinions. Yes, me too. Let's do it. So. For me, my not my favorite moment, but when I was like, oh, Roswell is back, is during the wake when Michael walks across the room and Alex's eyes just follow him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yep, just this is what the, I missed. This is it. <laughs> I really in, appreciated the Alex giving the guitar to Michael. Um, I will say I wish things could just be said bluntly. You know, not that the, the the gift of the guitar wasn't a big deal, um, but it's just, I, I think I just need more words than that, more than just, and even at, even this scene is still not quite, you know, they're going to get there and they're going to communicate, but it's still like, the guitar is nice, use your words. Yeah. And we're getting there. It was it was a nice start. Um, the guitar was, was rude. <laughs> it was so sad. 
I do want to say about the guitar, like the rude part is like what it symbolizes for them and mm-hmm. the symbol of Michael giving it back. Yep. Which was, I just, unnecessary that I don't want to play your guitar. Um, it makes perfect sense. He's, he, while his hand may be healed, he's, his mind isn't. I mean, it, when, you know, that isn't, mm-hmm. he's not ready to, to deal with any of it. And I think he can't use music in the same way he did when he was a teenager. Yeah. He hasn't actually dealt with anything. It was forced upon him. So. Yeah. And it's also the fact, I mean, he brings, when he brings it back, he's like, you need it more than I do. Like, that's kind of what he says. Right. Um, And then he kind of really turns into an asshole when Alex lets him know that he's staying in the Air Force. So. Right. Um, like, before that, it wasn't really that much of a dick. I mean, he brought the guitar back, but like, he wasn't, actively trying to start a fight right 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 and i mean alex i love you i'm not trying to put the girls on alex but that wasn't the maybe the best moment to give michael a haunting picture of his mother um also you he'd already said he was going back in why are we doing the what ifs mm-hmm. why are we doing the what if i hadn't done this what would you say well it doesn't matter because you've already done it yeah mm-hmm. But I feel like they live in a timeline of what ifs. Oh, like they, absolutely. Their relationship is nothing but what ifs. You know, you made that set and and it was Malik's and they said, you know, he was not an ex-boyfriend, but an ex-almost, an ex-something. You know, they're, that's them. They never, they've never had a chance to just be. So I understand that they kind of fixate on the what ifs. Oh, yeah. And it makes, I mean, it makes sense for them. It's just frustrating as a viewer. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I mean, this was, I I do appreciate how much more relaxed Alex seems and and he's willing to sort of start to fight for what he wants. But, you know, they're still not on the same page at all. Oh, no, not at all. Like, not even the same chapter. I mean, maybe the same book now, but like, not the same chapter. Maybe. I mean, I do believe that they both realize that their relationship as it is doesn't work. Because I do think that that scene was a parallel for Michael to what was the scene in episode nine uh, with Alex saying, you know, I want to start over, I want to be friends. And that's kind of like Michael needed to say those things and Alex needed to hear them because it doesn't work. Like it's not working and he can't go on like this. Right. And I, 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 I'll take all the fandom anger, you know, and I know fandom got mad at the, the, Vlam is saying something about being toxic, which I don't I still don't think that's quite what he meant. But, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, Michael's the I don't think we're good for each other. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> In the iteration they have, they are right now. They aren't good for one another. They are full of pain and they push each other away and they you know do all of these things. That's not healthy. Yeah. I'm not, I definitely think they have the potential to be a healthy, strong couple, but we are nowhere near that. Yeah. And I wish that fandom would understand that part of it, that that's what presumably we're going to focus on in season two, is they have to get to the point where we're good for each other. Michael and Alex could date today, and all they would do is rip each other apart. All they would do is disappoint one another, anger each other. They wouldn't be able to connect. They wouldn't be able to have a conversation. And then what kind of relationship is that? Yeah, that's why I I, I do appreciate that Michael said we're not good for each other. And, and they didn't make him say, 
you're not good for me. Right, right. Because that, that means he does realize that... I think Michael is self-aware enough to know that he is not in a good place, which I think is also why he's pushing Maria away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's self-sabotaging. Like, that's what he's doing. And he knows he's doing it. Like, he's not even sorry about it. Um, And I really wanted that. I want to be good for somebody line because... Oh, baby. He's never, he's never been, you know, his whole life. I mean, he now feels like he's never been good for someone. He's never had someone that just accepted him for everything that he is or what he's going through. Um, and the same can be said for Alex, but specifically Michael. I mean, yeah. who doesn't want to just be a source of light and happiness for someone else? I mean, mm-hmm. he, and, and be something that someone looks forward to rather than some sort of dramatic, painful thing. I get it. Absolutely. I want Michael to be good for Alex and they will, but you know, I, I get, I get, I get that line was really, really was a lot. <laughs> Screw you, Karina. <laughs> that was a lot. <laughs> Before we move on from Malik. So I know way back in the beginning of time when we talked about, when we had our Alex episode, uh, we talked about the visibility of him being disabled mm-hmm. and how much we didn't like yeah. that they took his his crutch away and that it became kind of a hidden mm-hmm. thing. So I love yes. in this first episode that we get a moment with him with his prosthetic off, with the crutch, with him being kind of relaxed and so soft. Yep. Yeah. And um, but showing the disability, I'm really grateful that they did that because yeah. I know that it was a fear that we had that it just was kind of not going to yes. be right. a factor. Right. And I think this is proof that when you go to showrunners or writers, especially those that are active on social media, and you talk calmly and, you know, with respect and you say, hey, this aspect really affects this people this, this, this way, you know. Um, I think that that shows that you can really make a difference and make people think, um, I, you know, because I know lots of people went to Karina and were worried about the disability yeah. and, and the visibility in the second half of season one. And I think she really listened. It may have been her plan all along. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. um, I do know that she mentioned on Twitter that, that, that people coming to her and mentioning what it meant to them for him to be visibly disabled. So I think that that is good proof that you can go at something, you know, with a calm head and get what you want. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about Liz and Rosa again and their little road trip. Uh, I loved the part where they're on the road and they're singing together. Mm -hmm. She gets Liz to kind of loosen up a little bit and have some fun. And that was a perfect song choice, by the way, because that's one of my favorite road trip songs. Yes. And I found myself singing along with them just because that was just such a great, happy positive moment you know this is kind of a dark show at the end of the day like they deal with some heavy shit and so to have this kind of fun sisterly moment where liz got to smile and have it was great and it was the whole the episode as a whole i don't think was super dark as far as like the show goes but that was still a nice like pick me up in in the episode and i loved it yeah Come on, Liz. 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 Come on,
then, so we get the happy moment. Then the saddest shower scene in history. <laughs> yeah. Then they get to the hotel and Liz just loses it in the bathroom. And there doesn't seem to be anything that really sets her off, which I completely relate to. And I ended up um, texting my best friend after and after she watched it. And I was like, because she's like the shower scene. And I was like, yes, because I've. I've done that. I've gone in the bathroom and run the water so nobody could hear me cry with nothing setting you off. And that's what grief is like. Right. It, you can just be, you know, putting the dishes up and then all of a sudden you just want to collapse on the floor and cry. And so I love that they included that. And then when she put her hand over her heart, like, I'm sorry, I that hurt. And I'm glad that they're showing Liz being vulnerable, even if she won't show it to other people. I'm glad that we're seeing that she is struggling. And that was that was a great scene. Um. Okay, so let's talk about Rosa's psychic connection with Max. We talked about it with Noah, but now we know that she has a connection to Max. Which make more, makes more sense. I mean, it makes way more sense than, than Rosa seeing yeah. Noah because Noah is somehow, you know, I was already thinking what if still somehow alive, maybe like his conscience, like, like I don't know. And I was so glad that it was actually Max's memories or Max's um, psyche. Well, is it is it Rose's connection to Max and Max's connection to Noah? And then it, Rose is kind of feeding into that connection. And that's how she's seeing Noah. I mean, I think what Liz... Uh, Liz's theory was is that she's seen Noah uh, because he's only saying lines that we've heard before. Right. So he's only seen Noah through Max's memories of Noah. Oh, is he only saying stuff that we've heard before? Yeah. yeah. I guess I didn't notice that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. So he's like a feedback. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. But Rosa's connection to Max. That's going to be a lot. I mean, just the fact that we have to see Max in most episodes, even if he's dead, I was like... <laughs> why you know you know i was hoping maybe with season two maybe we would uh start fresh here with with max and maybe we'd give him a chance but no this podcast no. still hates max so that's fine no. <laughs> i I'm, I'm intrigued by this whole max what he's saying to rosa and won't let you know um trying to get Rosa to tell Liz not to bring Max back and all that. I'm excited to see where that goes though. Um, mm-hmm. Because I know this isn't going to happen, but I want it to be like the pet cemetery. If he brings Max back, it'll be like evil Max. Eviler Max. <laughs> it'll be like evil, you know, like, you know, like having to like wear a goatee evil Max or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was the interesting thing that, Rosa is the only one with the handprint. Mm-hmm. Um, that Liz doesn't have it. Michael doesn't have it, which is really interesting. I want to know more about that, about how the handprint works. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, they're going to mm-hmm. explore that because Liz is also wondering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I do want to know more about how the handprint works. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. Let's talk about what went on at the wild pony so first (laughs) i can see amanda getting ready (laughs) go on but let's but before we talk about our boy let's talk about uh maria and mimi and mimi's presumed disappearance right so first of all first of all that is the worst care facility i have ever heard of in my life (laughs) and they should have their license taken away i mean just people wandering (laughs) off just you know whatever no big deal whatever um, I want to say that overall, this is the best writing 
for Maria I have seen thus far. Absolutely. Um, it was consistent. She had some character development. You got to see some emotion. You got to see, um, I was blown away. I would say like we pick a star of the game like they do in hockey, Sarah. (laughs) I mean, it would almost, it would almost be Maria just because Mm -hmm. it was like a whole new character that I hadn't really experienced before. And just the way she is with her mom and the way she is with Michael and, and even Liz, I mean, they, they, they put her with so many people and let her be involved. Even if she's not, even if she doesn't know what's going on. I'm, I'm I'm super impressed. I felt like she was integral to the story this time in a way that she wasn't throughout all of season one. Right. And I do. I I'm really glad that they brought Mimi back like right off the bat. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, it does kind of, you know, push Maria's storyline forward a little bit. Um, so we see how she's dealing with her mom and her mom <laughs> making the worst joke possible in that moment. This is like. Please don't quote alien movies when your daughter thinks you have dementia. <laughs> right. Um, I really loved that. I loved when Mimi said the line about, you know, things, time isn't really linear for her. And she's remembering things at different times and when they happen. And sometimes it was a century ago and all of that. Um, I just thought that was just great writing um, and giving a glimpse into how Mimi's functioning or how her brain really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Karen. Such an idiot. Oh, honey. <laughs> oh, baby. Okay, okay. I do want to say, okay, that you guys know I was worried about him becoming a cheater. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make him into one. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really glad that that didn't happen. And that was probably the thing I was most worried about yeah. in general. Well, and I know we've talked about this. I know we've talked about this, but as a bisexual person, it is super important to me that the one bisexual character on this show is not a cheater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as important to me as it is to you guys. Um, it's just my own personal, you know, I have my own personal issues with some stereotypes that's not one of them mm-hmm. but i do think in terms of character development for michael and and what they're doing it wouldn't have made sense like i would have yeah. been angry at it for that point um i think what my worst fear was that they were just gonna have michael and maria in a relationship right off the bat mm-hmm. not because i'm a malik shipper but because it wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense for yeah. what was right. happening and I really, really appreciate that scene in The Wild Pony because I think it shows that this isn't just going to be some fun and easy thing that Michael does to, to ignore his problems, mm-hmm. um, that he genuinely sees himself as a problem and he genuinely yeah. wants to keep Maria away from him. Like, he, that he doesn't think that he's, mm-hmm. he's worth that. Um, yeah, he's self-sabotaging. He's all his relationships, like, I mean... I didn't really see a lot of the reactions, but I know people are angry about the Malik scene. But he's an asshole to literally everyone in the episode, even Isabel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Michael and Maria's connection and their consistent. So, you know, every sort of couple has a thing, mm-hmm. right? And I love that for so far, it's kind of been the word hope between Michael and Maria. And that sort of tied them together. And I'm really, I was really excited to see that conversation, sort of the foundation of it being about hope. And of course, Michael, you know, wanting to destroy hope and and Maria sort of keeping that, um, she, you know, as part of her personality, still being a hopeful person. And I loved, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't matter if you ship him or not. That was a great scene. Are you trying to hurt me? 
You wanted to mess this thing up before we got our hopes up that maybe it might actually work. Oh, you are welcome, DeLuca. Hope screws people up. Hoping that your, your family will come and save you from the system. Hoping that anyone can be saved at all. What, so you, you made out with some random to protect me from my own hopeful heart? Bull. And I love that Maria was extending something to him as friends, you know, that they're putting their sort of romantic or possible romantic stuff aside and saying, like, you genuinely just need help. And I loved her line about um, how regulars shouldn't drink alone or, or shouldn't grieve alone or whatever it was that I mean, and we talked about this in the last episode about her being the fun friend. Yeah. And there's more to being the fun friend than just being like, hey, let's go out and party or, you know, whatever. It's giving people a space. Yeah. And I think that's Maria for a lot of people. And I love that even whatever their romantic status is that she's that for Michael right now, I think is great and would make I mean, I'm going to be a Malik shipper until the end. But them having kind of that dynamic while Michael figures his stuff out will make me more open to yeah. at least watching whatever happens with them down the line. Also, I do want to talk, I don't want to talk about this for too long, but I do, I identify a lot with Maria. Um, this is going to sound so dumb, but when you're a bartender, you forge a connection with people that is very different than any other connection. And it really is, it sounds so hokey, but it is sort of a deep one. You do talk about a lot of things you do. There is, and this is years of a relationship that has a foundation and they've seen each other a lot. And it, so that line about the, you know, regulars mm -hmm. still having a place mm -hmm. to go was, it was important. I think that that's very true. They have a relationship outside mm -hmm. of whatever romantic one that they, they build. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I do want to say one more thing. Okay. About the fight, that little smile that he has on his face after he gets punched, which is a callback to when he was, you know, provoking Max. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just, he doesn't know how to deal with stuff in any other way. He's just, he's the only way he knows how, how to go about his life. And I, I don't know, like you guys know, I love Black Sales. This is just such a James Flint moment for me. It's just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, he numbs his entire life with, you know, the nail polish remover and, and all of that. And he, you know, I'm sure that he's just sort of walking around and not really feeling anything. And so he's just going to be one of those people that, you know, provokes it into, into a physical thing because that's the only way he's going to feel anything right now. Um, mm -hmm. And our favorite word is because of the trauma. It just is. Um, but yeah, that was a very Michael, very Michael moment. So. All right. So. Isabel and I my notes just say all right Isabel fuck some shit up <laughs> I love that she's exploding like the good crystals uh -huh. that everyone brought her I love that detail but I don't I don't want to see Michael and Isabel fight I don't either but it makes sense yeah I mean, Michael's going to push everybody away. That includes Isabel. Yeah. And I mean, and Isabel is doing the same. Like she's. she's and, yeah. And Isabel's doing the you same. You know, they're both grieving and they're both push, pushing each other away. I do want that to be resolved as fast as possible. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I mean, I, I, I think it will. I think it's it's inevitable that they will turn to one another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also. And then my other note for that scene just says badass Isabel powers activated. <laughs> yep. I can't wait to see more of that. I think it's great i think it's great for isabel um probably the only thing that happened to isabel in this episode that i thought was great um 
So, but before we get to that, let's talk for a minute about uh, Liz, Michael, and Kyle all being science bros together. And that scene, but that scene before Kyle joined in where Liz knocks on his trailer and says, Oh. I need your help moving a body. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard that. Like, that's true <laughs> friendship. If I had a dollar for every time <laughs> I was You'd have like $3, Michael. Yeah, I mean, calm down. You act like you're some sort of like vigilant. Calm down, sir. Um, but I do think that at the heart, you know, the idea of having some scenes of um, Liz, Kyle, and Michael, because at the very heart of it, they're all very like analytical people. I mean, that's part of, you know, how, mm-hmm. you know, any sort of STEM interest works. And I think that please just give me a scene of them working somewhere together and Michael and Kyle just like snipping at one another. And like, it's just perfect. Just give me like one scene. They're going to be snipping. Liz is going to be like, please shut the fuck up. We're trying to get something done. And then they just sort of bond over it. Like I tell you right now, beyond Kyle and Alex, if Kyle and Michael become friends, I'm in heaven. I'm in heaven. Just um, that's all I want. Just give me some Mm -hmm. some guarantee, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. But I do want to talk about Kyle and Alex for a little bit, like just a oh tiny yeah, second. after that friendship, okay, of that scene of them pushing, like going to get Noah's wow. body, like their scene in this episode are so much fun. Their friendship means so much to me because you know, as hesitant as I was for you know the high school homophobic bully and the, and the gay character to be friends, the way that they did it worked. Yeah, the way that they work together is fantastic. Um, I don't ship them romantically because I value them as just as good friends. Like their friendship is a health could be a healthy one is a healthy one. Um, and male friendships are so rare in the sense of, you know, it, it being one that is a little bit soft and they understand mm-hmm. one another. And I, I, I hope that we get lots of, of Kyle and Alex. And I tend to agree. I mean, I've, I've written Kylex in the past and I mm-hmm. can see why people ship them, but that, that moment. Oh, yeah, I mean, I understand it. That moment when Alex slams that medical examiner up against the thing and you just mark Kyle down as scared and horny. I'm sorry. Like, I feel like no matter who you are, you see Alex do that knowing who Alex is. You're like, that was so hot. Oh, okay. That's the mm-hmm. hottest thing I've ever seen. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Straight, male, I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I hate to end this on kind of not kind of a negative note let's talk about the fact that apparently isabel is pregnant okay so i okay (laughs) it's i i can only hope that it's not true that they're going to do something with it where it's not actually first of all giving an ultrasound on yourself is not quite how it works and it's not quite as easy to see things but we'll just forgive the science on that for a second you have a woman who is now possibly carrying the baby of her rapist like is that where we're going yeah i mean this isn't you know what a what a choice and i i what how many times can isabel's body be violated and not her own like i mean now this is a whole because i'm gonna tell you right now i've been pregnant and it's different for every pregnant person it already feels like you don't have control over yourself. It does feel very weird. It feels like there is an invasion. It, I truly remember being pregnant and calling them aliens. And now you have a woman who literally was taken over by an alien for God only knows how long. And, and here she is again. And I have to believe that this is not something that's going to be pursued 
long term, whether she's not pregnant, whether she gets an abortion, whether I mean, whatever, whether she miscarries, which I hope they don't do, because then you get into the whole like she's sad about it or whatever. Right. That's my assumption. So my assumption really is that she's this is not actually the way that it looks. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to hope for. Well, and I was, you know, once again, this from ATX, which was almost a year ago now, which is insane to me. Karina and Lily talked about Isabel's storyline in season two being about empowerment and empowering Isabel Mm -hmm. and making her pregnant with her rapist baby is not where it's at. No. And it's not something that I want to see. And I hope that that's not where this is going. Right. I genuinely do, because it's going to be something that to me personally, would almost be a deal breaker for watching the show. Right. It is, it is a known, it is a known thing. Um, and it's been talked about a lot about women who have been through sexual assault or rape, um, that pregnancy and giving birth can re-traumatize you. It's, it's a lot. It's your body being taken over. It's you lose control. You have to let people touch your body. You have, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, the last thing Isabel needs is to be re-traumatized, um, with her, with her body. I mean, it's, that's, so that's, I'm, I'm eager to hope that this is something different than what it looks like. And I do think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so too. What I would love to see is if, if it is an actual baby, let Isabel mm-hmm. have an abortion. I would be, I would be open with that. Yeah. Let her struggle with that. Show that, be sympathetic to that issue and and really explore that and if that's what you're going to do um i mean not necessarily want to want i don't necessarily think that that needs to be part of a cw or this particular show but i mean if you're going to have it at least you know if you're going to be a show that champions um some serious social topics that's a big one Mm -hmm. yeah all right so as we wrap up there were two things in my notes that i wanted to talk about from the episode and one is flint's comment first of all i love that rosa wrecked the van to steal the body oh that felt good i love rosa um but i flint's comment to alex where he says there's a chain of command in this family to me confirmed the main's abuse at jesse's abuse went beyond alex yeah and i hope with the addition of the other main's brother whatever his name is supposed to be um i hope they explore that because that hit me i have it written down i have the quote and then i said Maine's abuse confirmed. Yeah. Growing up in an abusive household, I would be shocked if Alex A is the only one or B is the only one that's really affected in yeah. any way. Like that wouldn't make it really make any sense. So um, definitely there's more. Yeah. And it may be a different kind of abuse. Yeah, exactly. It may be my, Alex's was more physical. For the other brothers, it was like an emotional. It was a psychological. I mean, you know, I would imagine just the flint that we see just the way that he acts, I would say, you know, his might be more like a psychological abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the last thing that I wanted to mention was probably one of my favorite lines from this episode. And it's Noah's heart is shriveled and weak. Just like he was. I love that whole speech. I love the whole speech of Liz being like, they, they, they literally spat on me and, you know, blocked me from mm-hmm. doing research and stuff for all my life. And I, I know I can do this and I'm going to do this. Like, nobody's going to stop me this time. I love that. Yeah, you're like sitting there going, yes, Liz. I mean, there's, we can, there's a lot of criticisms to lob at Roswell, New Mexico, as any show. No show's perfect. But I do like where we're going with this sort of female empowerment 
and the way that they're talking and the way that they're sort of taking charge mm-hmm. of themselves. And I want that. I feel like that's going to be an overlying overarching theme in season two. Cause so far, I mean, every single female character has shown some grit, some mm-hmm. backbone already just from one episode. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So that is our first episode recap. And uh, we are so excited to do these weekly for you guys. Um, hit us up on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, give us your comments. Also, um, I don't know if we'll be doing it every week, but not that complicated. Did an open post, uh, for the episode. So if we continue to do that, head over there and leave us your comment. Um, and then we'll also have recaps up every week there too. Um, and you know, if you can't tell by now, the website is live, please go visit it. Tell us what you think. We're all really excited about it. And we will see you next week when we recap episode two. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Bye.